0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. The Book of Liyadzu. Translated by Lionel Giles. Book 4. Confucius. A high official from Shang paid a visit to Confucius. You are a sage, are you not? he inquired. A sage, replied Confucius, how could I venture to think so? I am only a man with a wide range of learning and information. The minister then asked, Were the three kings sages? The three kings, replied Confucius, were great in the exercise of wisdom and courage. I do not know, however, that they were sages. What of the five emperors? Were they not sages? The five emperors excelled in the exercise of altruism and righteousness. I do not know that they were sages. And the three sovereigns, surely they were sages. The three sovereigns excelled in the virtues that were suited to their age, but whether they were sages or no, I really cannot say. The wide learning of Confucius, the warlike prowess of Tang and Wu, the humility and self-abnegation of Yao and Shun. The rude simplicity of Fu Si and Shun Nung simply represent the ordinary activities of the sage who accommodates himself to the necessities of the world he lives in. They are not the qualities which make them sages. Those qualities are truly such as neither word nor deed can adequately express. Why, who is there then? cried the minister, Much astonished, that is really a sage. The expression of Confucius's countenance changed, and he replied after a pause. Among the people of the West, a true sage dwells. He governs not, yet there is no disorder. He speaks not, yet he is naturally trusted. He makes no reforms, yet right conduct is spontaneous and universal. So great and incomprehensible is he that the people can find no name to call him by. I suspect that this man is a sage, but whether in truth he is a sage or is not a sage, I do not know. The minister from Shang meditated a while in silence. Then he said to himself, Confucius is making a fool of me. When the master Liuzi took up his abode in Guo, The number of those who settled down with him was past reckoning, though one were to count them day by day. liu however, continued to live in retirement, and every morning would hold discussions with them, the fame of which spread far and wide. nangguo was his next-door neighbor, but for 20 years no visit passed between them, and when they met in the street, they made as though they had not seen each other. Liuzi's disciples felt convinced that there was enmity between their master and Nanguodzu, and at last one who had come from the Chu state spoke to Liuzi about it, saying, How comes it, sir, that you and Nanguodzu are enemies? Nanguodzu, replied the master, has the appearance of fullness, but his mind is a blank, his ears do not hear, his eyes do not see, his mouth does not speak, his mind is devoid of knowledge, his body free from agitation. What would be the object of visiting him? However, we will try, and you shall accompany me thither to see. Accordingly, Forty of the disciples went with him to call on nanguo who turned out to be a repulsive-looking creature with whom they could make no contact. He only gazed blankly at li Mind and body seemed not to belong together, and his guests could find no means of approach. The soul had subjugated the body, the mind being void of sense impressions, the countenance remained motionless. Hence, it seemed as if there were no cooperation between the two. How could they respond to external stimuli? Suddenly, Nan singled out the hindmost row of Liuzzu's disciples and began to talk to them quite pleasantly and simply, though in the tone of a superior. Fraternizing with the hindmost row, he recognized no distinctions of rank or standing. Meeting a sympathetic influence, and responding thereto, he did not allow his mind to be occupied with the external. The disciples were astonished at this, and when they got home again, all wore a puzzled expression. Their master, zǔ said to them, He who has reached the stage of thought is silent, He who has attained to perfect knowledge is also silent. He who uses silence in lieu of speech really does speak. He who for knowledge substitutes blankness of mind really does know. Without words and speaking not, without knowledge and knowing not, he really speaks and really knows. Saying nothing and knowing nothing, there is in reality nothing he does not say Nothing that he does not know. This is how the matter stands, and there is nothing further to be said. Why are you thus astonished without cause? Lung Shu said to Won Ji, You are a master of cunning arts. I have a disease. Can you cure it, sir? I am at your service, replied Won Ji. But please let me know first the symptoms of your disease. I hold it no honor, said Lung Shu, to be praised in my native village. Nor do I consider it a disgrace to be decried in my native state. Gain excites in me no joy, and loss no sorrow. I look upon life in the same light as death. Upon riches in the same light as poverty. Upon my fellow men as so many swine and upon myself, as I look upon my fellow men. I dwell in my home as though it were a mere caravansary, and regard my native district with no more feeling than I would a barbarian state. Afflicted as I am, in these various ways, honors and rewards fail to rouse me, pains and penalties to overawe me, good or bad fortune to influence me, joy or grief to move me, Thus I am incapable of serving my sovereign, of associating with my friends and kinsmen, of directing my wife and children, or of controlling my servants and retainers. Men are controlled by external influences, insofar as their minds are open to impressions of good and evil, and their bodies are sensitive to injury or the reverse. But one who is able to discern a connecting unity in the most multiform diversity, will surely, in his survey of the universe, be unconscious of the differences between positive and negative. What disease is this, and what remedy is there that will cure it?" One Ji replied by asking Lung Shu to stand with his back to the light, while he himself faced the light and looked at him intently. Ah. Said he, after a while, I see that a good square inch of your heart is hollow. You are within an ace of being a true sage. Six of the orifices in your heart are open and clear, and only the seventh is blocked up. This, however, is doubtless due to the fact that you are mistaking for a disease that which is really divine enlightenment. It is a case in which my shallow art is of no avail. Pu in the Zhong state was rich in wise men, and Dung Li in men of administrative talent. Among the vassals of Pu Tzu was a certain Bo Fung Tzu, who happened to travel through Dung Li and had a meeting with Dung Si. The latter cast a glance at his followers and asked them, with a smile, Would you like to see me have some sport with this stranger? They understood what he would be at, and assented. Dung-si, then turned to bo feng Are you acquainted with the true theory of sustenation? He inquired. To receive sustenance from others, through inability to support oneself, places one in the category of dogs and swine. It is man's prerogative to give sustenance to other creatures, and to use them for his own purposes. That you and your fellows are provided with abundant food and comfortable clothing is due to us administrators. Young and old, you herd together, and are penned up like cattle destined for the shambles. In what respect are you to be distinguished from dogs and swine? Bo Feng made no reply, but one of his company, disregarding the rules of precedence, stepped forward and said, has Your Excellency never heard of the variety of craftsmen and chi and lu? Some are skilled potters and carpenters. Others are clever workers in metal and leather. There are good musicians, trained scribes and accountants, military experts, and men learned in the ritual of ancestor worship. All kinds of talent are there fully represented. But without proper organization, These craftsmen cannot be usefully employed. But those who organize them lack knowledge. Those who employ them lack technical ability, and therefore they make use of those who have both knowledge and ability. Whoso possess skill and knowledge of any particular kind is incapable of helping his prince in the direction of affairs. So it is really we who may be said to employ the government administrators. What is it, then, that you are boasting about? Dung Si could think of nothing to say in reply. He glanced round at his disciples and retreated. End of Book 4 Confucius This recording is in the public domain.